0: Hi, and welcome to Nassio Voices, where we talk all things state IT. I'm Amy Glasscock in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Matt Pincus here in Washington, D.C. Today, we are excited to welcome Nassio President and New Hampshire CIO, Dennis Goulet, back to the podcast. We talked to Dennis way back in March of 2020. And wow, certainly a lot has changed since we last had him on Nassio Voices.
0: We'll be talking with Dennis about his tenure as NACIO president, his presidential initiative on business relationship management, and have a look back on these past crazy 18 months. Well, let's bring him on. Dennis, thanks so much for joining us and welcome back to NACIO Voices.
2: Well, it's great to be here. I I always enjoy doing these and listening to the ones you all record and, and, and being part of it. It's just lots of fun. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks. And thanks for being a listener. So, Let's start off with your presidential initiative on business relationship management or BRM. This is something that my colleague Eric Sweden and I have worked on with you over the last eight months or so. NASIO just put out a publication on BRM and folks can find that on our website. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. But tell us why you wanted to put an emphasis on BRM during your time as NASIO president.
2: Well, it, it felt to me like when I'm looking at how we've been able to deliver in New Hampshire and, you know, what were the critical success factors, you know, managing relationships was the single most important thing that had to happen. And, and I linked that back in my own mind to the broker model, CIO is a broker model and how, how we're working towards that in in many States and New Hampshire is no exception. And it just seemed like it was really important, you know, extending James Collins' work from CRM into a, you know, into what I felt like maybe was the next phase of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So NACIO is defining business relationship management from, you know, our perspective in the world of state CIOs as an approach to proactively managing effective working relationships with internal staff, agencies, vendors, and partners. Instead of placing all the focus on just the customer relationship, CIOs and their teams are also aware of vendor relationship management for the best possible outcomes. Can you talk about how blending the vendor relationship management piece with the customer relationship management piece is so important?
2: Well, again, you know, we always, as CIOs, we always strive to have that strategic relationship, that close, um, collaborative, communicative relationship with our customers. And um, I think it's necessary to have that with your uh, partners as well, your vendor partners particularly your strategic vendor partners. So the best outcomes occur, particularly on large projects, but even on ongoing support models, if you have that strategic collaborative relationship on all levels, customer as well as our strategic vendor partners. So without that, you're you're sacrificing a bit, I feel. And and so striving to be firing at a really high level on both the customer side and the strategic vendor partner side, to to me, is really important.
0: Yeah. And a lot of states that we talked to, and we did talk to a lot of people doing this research, for a lot of states, they still have that CRM team, very separate from the VRM team. In some cases, it might just be with the procurement team. So that's going to be a new idea or maybe not so easy to integrate for some states.
2: Indeed. And, um, and I just we just had this really successful project in New Hampshire. We just finished our last phase. It was a placing a 30-plus-year-old revenue management system. And we had in place that really strong strategic alignment between the IT folks, the agency folks, as well as our, our strategic partner. And, boy, it worked well on time, on budget. Citizens love it. I mean, it was just a home run. And I think, you know, when we look back at why that was, was a success, I think we'll see that having those strong relationships and uh, collaborative partnerships in place was, was a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So in our interviews with CIOs and their teams, as I keep saying, including you, we learned about the three areas of expertise that an ideal BRM manager would have. Can you walk us through those? And in your view, what is most important?
2: The three magic pieces are, you, know, you have your relationship skills or your emotional intelligence you have your domain expertise and your technical expertise. Now, the domain expertise will vary by agency, you know, whether it's the Department of Safety, or Transportation, or whatever. Um, you know, ideally, we would have all three of those. But I really think the, the relationship skills and the emotional intelligence, which are the hardest to teach, are the most important. And you know, we can teach. Like I've had folks come in and learn. You know the domain expertise, for example, and learn. Particularly good IT folks are good at that, and mm-hmm. you know learn some. Of, and and you might not even need the technical stuff if you know how to lean on the right people to make it mm-hmm. happen. So to me, it's relationship, relationship, relationship.
0: Do you think that is just people either have it or they don't, or do you think that's something that can be learned as well if someone's committed to learning it?
2: Well, I think you can learn it. It's it's like a lot of other skills. Some people have innate skills and they were just born with. And others require training. I'm, I know that for my own part, companies I've worked for in the past invested in training me and particularly in some of the skills that I'm talking about, those executive level skills. Mm-hmm. And so I think training really is a, an important part, helping helping your folks understand. And, and also, I think sharing and, you know what was successful and what wasn't so that our relationship managers do understand how to operate mm-hmm. in, in a successful way.
0: Yeah. I know Eric and I really enjoyed working with you on this. We are, we're so happy to finally get it published. We worked on it for a lot of months and everyone should go check it out. We, we talk about our findings. We talked to not only NASIO state members, but a handful of our corporate members too, who have been doing the BRM thing for a little bit longer. And we also have five calls to action at the end for states that are getting started in this world. So again, it'll be on our website.
2: Yes, and you and Eric did a, I think, a tremendous job on that. You know, it was it was a journey. Um, <laughs> I think we kept peeling back that onion and finding more. And you guys did a great job of sleuthing. And I think if anybody's wondering how much work was put into this, go look at the very last page and look at all the folks that contributed. And I yeah. think it's just a, just a super high quality re- result that I'm very proud to attach my name to.
0: Well, and I have to give a big shout out to my colleague Eric mm-hmm. because he he definitely has the curiosity to keep pulling those threads when it comes to this kind of research and yeah he he uh, gets big kudos for that.
1: It's a good way to describe Eric. Well, Dennis, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. I mentioned this in our intro, but we last talked to you on the podcast on March 13th of 2020. I remember recording the interview right after I got the phone call that my daughter's daycare was shut down. I had to pick her up. We weren't sure if it was going to be for you know a weekend or a couple weeks, and it ended up being uh, I think six and a half months that her daycare was closed because of COVID. So certainly a lot has changed since we last talked to you on the podcast, but. We discussed in that interview some of your efforts and how much you were enjoying working on NASIO advocacy initiatives and, and federal legislation, particularly related to cybersecurity. Can you give us an update on some of those efforts? Talk to us about you know some things that, that you've worked on and that we have worked on together over the last year and a half.
2: Well, you're right, Matt. A lot of good stuff has happened. If you look back, we can reflect on some successes, right? the .gov, Legislation passing and being implemented in what has to be record time for a federal agency,
0: and, <laughs> and now I'm, I'm, I'm,
2: and I'm actually seeing results on the ground in New Hampshire from that. Yeah, and, and just
1: and and Dennis, just so just so our listeners know, Dennis is referring to the gov Act, which NACIO uh, supported, and then CISA's announcement this past spring that gov registration for state and local governments is now free. Sorry, continue.
2: Thank you, Matt, for that clarification. Also, we're looking now at, I know that NACIO has been working on the cybersecurity grant program that is now part of the infrastructure package that was passed by the Senate this week. So we have our fingers crossed, but things are looking good there. I think to start seeing, um, what's it, what is it? A billion dollars over four years of Correct. Uh, cyber, cyber grant money flowing to state IT organizations for mostly for the benefit of cities and towns and county governments, which I think is appropriate because they are in the most need. So really, I think great stuff. I can't
1: really put my finger on this. Maybe you can give me some insight. I've just been trying to think, you know, why has there been this momentum on state and local cyber issues is it ransomware i mean really what's the impetus for a lot of these things getting done and i honestly i don't know
2: i've heard testimony from folks in in congress who've had it affect their communities directly yeah part of the magic there is when something you know bangs you on the head you, you notice and so i think we heard it over and over testimony from Senators and members of the House that, oh, you know, this community or that community or or this entity in my community was affected and how it affected real people. So it's not a theoretical thing anymore, ransomware. You know, people are saying, oh, I saw that effect on my community, on my Mm -hmm. friends, on people we know. So when it hits that close to home, that's a that's a call to action for everybody.
1: Yeah, really good points. And I think, you know, speaking of congressional testimony in in December, you testified before the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee. And then in May, you testified before the House Homeland Security Committee. Talk about those experiences. Although it was virtual, I know you wanted to do one of these in in person, but talk about those opportunities.
2: Well, I mean, that's one of the special things I think that Nacio brings to the table is not just the community of CIOs and and our uh, corporate partners, but also that the long-term vision for federal advocacy that helps bring it all together and helps us all provide the great citizen service that we desire to provide. So being able to do that and being part of that, I I was just so proud to be able to do that. And I put a lot of effort into testimony. I brought a lot of passion to the testimony because I knew how important it was. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I really... I really wish that I could have done it in person. It, it would have been scary, but scarier. But I think that's the kind of good scary where you know you you know makes you a stronger individual. It's the kind of experience you you would never forget in a lifetime. And even virtually, it's definitely an experience I will never forget
1: funny. Doug had the opportunity to testify before the House Oversight Committee in uh, the end of June. And that was in person. It was sort of one of those hybrid hearings. And I, while I was sitting there with them, I kept thinking, you know, how nice it would have been to have had you do this in, in person and not had to deal with technical glitches. And I think, you know, by sort of de facto of Doug being there in person, he was asked more questions. But, you know, Three quarters of the members of the of the committee were virtual. So and they had they had technical issues. So I think, you know, until we get back to some sort of regular order, you're always going to have to deal with that. But you certainly did all of us proud. And I was really happy you had those opportunities. But just to continue this sort of discussion, Dennis, on cybersecurity You know, ransomware and and these really debilitating cyber attacks have become a a topic of national discourse over the past few months. I I think really starting with the solar winds hack. I know Amy and I have talked about this before, but I remember my parents asking me over Memorial Day, what's this ransomware that we keep hearing about? So, you know, when it makes it to dinner tables, you know it's become a real thing. But looking back on your time since becoming CIO, is there anything about You know these cyber attacks that has surprised you, and then I guess the second part of the question is: Are there things that you are doing in New Hampshire to help improve the cybersecurity? You mentioned uh, local governments being most vulnerable. I know you're doing some stuff with K through 12. Can you can you talk about that as well?
2: Sure. You know a couple things surprised me. One is that you know our our adversaries, the pace at which they're accelerating their sophistication is astounding beyond surprising Mm. and you know it raises our requirement for attentiveness and diligence another thing i'm surprised about is that i think for too long we viewed it as it's every entity's job to defend themselves versus a serious public policy issue that needs to be dealt with and looked at at a national level and defended at a national level so i Mm. think we're getting there now you can hear it in testimony you can hear some of the rumblings from dc that you know we get it now this is a serious public policy issue this isn't just a every organization must defend themselves and we'll go on as we were so i'm heartened to see that and i hope we keep down that path because that to me is a better path for success than you know obviously we have to defend ourselves but there's there's a better path for success and you know going to the second part of your question we're spending a lot more effort than ever now reaching out to the entities inside our state that are the most challenged when it comes to ransomware that is the smaller you know the political subdivisions the cities towns and, and of course the k-12 through organizations building community and investing in that community so as some of you may have heard in the past we worked with the k-12 through organizations to develop and promulgate uh, the minimum standards for uh, security and privacy in schools we rolled those out and as part of doing that really built relationships with the tech directors in those schools that will be lasting relationships. Uh, additionally, you know, we, we formed a public-private partnership in the, in the state with the municipal association and uh, the largest insurance underwriter in the state to begin to create community in the municipal space as well to do smart things to help them, smart things that don't cost a lot of money, but also we'll use that vector to distribute some grant money that we've already been approved through the um, DHS grant, you know, the Department of Safety DHS grant funding, but -hmm. also looking forward to any grant monies that may flow from the infrastructure bill, that would be the vector we would use as well.
1: Well, fingers crossed that gets done and hopefully quickly, Dennis.
0: So, Dennis, you completed the second half of your predecessor's term and then your own complete term almost. So not only has it been longer than most NASIO presidents, but it's also been during a particularly trying time due to the COVID-19 pandemic, obviously. So when you look back on your time leading the association as president, what do you think you'll be most proud of?
2: Well, that's a really easy answer. I, I'm most proud of how we all responded to adversity, how we all took a positive approach to dealing with it and created really good results for our our CIOs and states, for their citizens, and for the, you know, for the country as a whole by virtue of our efforts in all areas during my time as president, particularly during the um, the pandemic response and recovery efforts.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking back at, you know, all the time that we spent on calls, you know, together and even our virtual conferences, I think we can certainly be proud of those and you can be proud of the pivoting <laughs> that happened, you know, over and over again. It felt like it wasn't just one time, but yeah, it was it's something uh, that none of us will forget soon. When you do look back over everything that's changed in the last year and a half and everything that hasn't changed, what issues do you think will be top of mind for state CIOs over the next couple of years, looking out, you know, maybe three to five years from now?
2: Well, I think, cybersecurity will continue to be way up on the list. And particularly now, since it's a continuity of government issue, you know, looking at ransomware, not just you know protection of citizen data issue, which of course is important as well. So that's going to be in there. Digital government services are brought to the forefront during COVID-19 response and recovery. Mm-hmm. And I expect that to continue. I think that there's some really good news built in there for state um, IT organizations, because people now understand how important that infrastructure throughout the state is, and uh, the likelihood of investing is much higher. So I expect a lot of effort to be going in there as well. And then, you know, modernization, which a lot, which a lot of modernization will relate to the delivery of those services, because when we look at the highest priority modernization efforts that need to occur in states, They all are related to weaknesses in our ability to deliver digital government services in a timely and effective way.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I I agree with all of those. So when we talked with you way back in March of 2020, we talked about how the role of the state CIO had very quickly become more prominent in response to COVID-19. So looking back on the past 18 months, can you talk about any changes you've noticed from the New Hampshire perspective and nationally as NACIO president? And the second part of this is, do you think the elevation of the CIO in the states is temporary or permanent?
2: Well, for New Hampshire, my part in New Hampshire... um, The IT organization, my organization did a tremendous job and people noticed it, not just people inside state government, but citizens. I talked to citizens and they're like, wow, you know, you guys crushed it on vaccinations. We really thought that system was great. Things like that. So I think that did, it was a permanent uplift for us. And I think I've heard similar things, the resilience that state CIOs demonstrated, whether they were in a centralized organization, which was clearly easier than if they weren't in terms of some of the quick pivots that had to be made, but amazing stuff occurred in amazingly short amounts of time. And having executive power from the governor's office really did help us. So now, in some ways, we're we're back to influencing in the ways we were before. Because you know, if you just had to convince the governor, that's a little easier than having to convince you know a larger group of people. Is it a long term impact? I think that. For me, it, I look at it as a point in time, and if if I'm not on my toes, or we're not on our toes all the time, looking for new ways to build and develop relationships and execute on our citizen service mission, then we could lose the ground that we've made during COVID. So I hyper vigilant, and I would ask everybody to think that they should and need to be hyper vigilant to keep that. Elevated level of credibility where it is and take it even beyond where it is today.
0: Really good point.
1: Fantastic. Well, Dennis, before we let you go, we have to put you through the gauntlet and ask you some hard hitting questions that are not only fun uh, in the spirit of NASIO and NASIO voices, but also we tried to encapsulate some questions that run the gamut of your time as NASIO president. With that, are you ready for the lightning round, sir? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. First question. What is the most enjoyable or fun thing you've done since getting your vaccination?
2: Pre-COVID, one of the things my wife and I used to like to do was go out and sit at the bar at a nice restaurant Mm. and just interact with people, people we didn't know, the people next to you while Mm. having dinner. And we did that the other night and that was just fun. I loved it. And it felt really good.
1: Fantastic. Fantastic. That's a really good answer. I know you've also uh, been able to spend some more time on your boat as well.
2: Indeed. Indeed. Although, you know, boating is crazy right now. The amount of boats that were purchased during COVID. uh, there's, (laughs) There's basically no inventory in the whole country.
0: Right. Boats and puppies.
2: Indeed.
1: All right. Question number two. Our executive director and friend of the podcast, Doug Robinson, often likes to say, if you've seen one state, you've seen one state. But as NACIO president, you certainly have a unique insight into almost every single state and territory across the country. So hypothetically, if you could serve as a CIO in any other state or territory besides New Hampshire, which state would you pick and why?
2: Well, I'm going to give you two states and why. I'll start out with with Massachusetts. I worked pretty much my whole career in Massachusetts. I love the state. And I love what Kurt's doing in Massachusetts. It's a, you know, it's a huge challenge, bigger state and more complex state than New Hampshire. So I think it would be a huge challenge and being part of what Kurt's got going in Massachusetts would be pretty neat. Mm. Uh, I think some big things can happen and are happening there. The second state I would bring forward would be the Virgin Islands. And, And the primary reason there is, you know, I recall a virtual meeting. We had an ASIO meeting in the winter. And our colleague there, Rupert, was outside on his deck in a short sleeve shirt. Enjoying in life. The winter. And Enjoying I think it was, life. It was snowing at my house. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Virgin Islands, hmm, not too bad.
1: Doesn't I know. sound I, bad. Like
0: he just did that to show off.
1: <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. We're going to have to ask Rupert about that. But yeah. for sure. Maybe future Nacio conference location. Fingers crossed. All right. Third and final question. Uh, you've spent a lot of time with Doug, virtually and in person, as NASIO president. What is your favorite Doug moment?
2: All right. Well, first, I want to say, as I think has happened to almost every president, we've gone from being colleagues to friends during mm-hmm. my presidency. Really deep, strong, and a deep, I think a deep friendship that will last forever. And, you know, as part of that, you know, we all observe how serious Doug is in, in his work. And it's one of the things we really love about him. And so talking to him virtually and having his dogs be part of the conversation <laughs> and bringing their personalities into it, and then seeing his response to their personalities that was really fun. And it was a different side of Doug that we maybe don't see every day. That is a, a special part of him that, that was fun to see.
1: So good. And in our last episode, Amy and I picked Doug's dog noises as our favorite blooper moment in the 50 episodes that we've been doing this podcast. So I think it's pretty universal.
0: Yes. He's a dog lover for sure. Well, Dennis, thank you so much for coming back to be on NASIO Voices with us and talk about your BRM initiative and your time as president. We really appreciate it. And we look forward to seeing you soon.
2: Well, thanks for having me and I'll come back anytime we have something interesting
0: to talk about. Thanks again for listening. NASIO Voices is a production of the National Association of State Chief Information Officers or NASIO.
1: You can find past podcast episodes at nasio.org slash podcast. We'll see you again in two weeks with our next episode.
0: You can find our report on business relationship management at nasio.org, and we'll also put a link in the show notes. Talk to you next time.
1: Bye-bye.